With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. And I'd like to welcome you to this episode of one month to operationalizing your compliance program. I'm proud to have as my sponsor for the month of March, Oversight Systems, with the recently released Department of Justice Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs, it has become mandatory that companies operationalize their compliance program. Oversight's automated transaction monitoring solution, Insights on Demand for FCPA, provides a centralized transaction monitoring system that automatically identifies risky activity and facilitates efficient resolution of any issues. The analytics look for behaviors or patterns of compliance risk across expense reports, transaction in T&E, invoices and payments in AP, and further operationalizes your compliance program. Insights on Demand enables companies to easily demonstrate to the executive board and, most importantly, the Department of Justice, they are proactively operationalizing their compliance program through monitoring business transactions for FCPA risk and acting on those exceptions. A continuous monitoring program, such as oversights, can be an important component of operationalizing your compliance program as it addresses the DOJ's guidelines for compliance monitoring, communication with employees, compliance evidence, and audit trails. The February release of the Department of Justice's Evaluation of Compliance Program has mandated that you operationalize your compliance program. Through this one-month series, I will provide you specific steps by which you can operationalize your compliance program. In each day, I will address one issue and then give you three key takeaways. By the end of the month, you should have some significant steps that you can take to operationalize your compliance program. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of One Month to Operationalizing Your Compliance Program. Day 16 compliance authority and resources. In the Department of Justice's evaluation of corporate compliance programs under prong three, autonomy and resources, it states the following questions. Under stature, has the compliance function compared, rather, how has the compliance function compared with other strategic functions in the company in terms of stature, compensation levels, rank title, reporting line, resources, and access to key decision makers? What has been the turnover rate for compliance and relevant control personnel? What role has has compliance played in the company's strategic and operational decisions? Under experience and qualifications, the following question is found. Have the compliance and control personnel had the appropriate experience and qualifications for their roles and responsibilities? While the Department of Justice's stated position does not concern itself with whether the CCO reports to the general counsel or reports independently, uh, but is rather more concerned about whether the CCO has the voice to go to the CEO or the board directly without going through the GC first. Even if the answer was yes, the DOJ would want to know if the CCO had ever exercised that right. Yet the evaluation comes as close as any other document at any other time previously in articulating a DOJ policy that the chief compliance officer must be independent of the general counsel's office. 
Therefore, if your chief compliance officer still reports up through the general counsel, you must have demonstrable evidence of both CCO independence and actual straight line of sight authority to the board of directors. Within the operationalization of compliance, the Department of Justice wants to know if the business unit of a company is responsible for at least a part of, the, of compliance. Put in the manner of the evaluation, is compliance operationalized within your organization? Another interesting angle is the real problem for a chief compliance officer if compliance is not embedded into the business. That problem is that the CCO simply becomes a policeman telling the business unit what it can or cannot do, or, as I would say, being Dr. No from the land of no. Here are some questions you should consider in evaluating this problem. First and foremost, is the chief compliance officer part of senior management or in the C-suite itself? Number two, is the chief compliance officer part of regular meetings of the senior management group? Who can terminate the CCO? Is it the chief executive, the audit committee of the board, or does a chief compliance officer termination require the approval of the entire board? Most importantly, could a person under investigation or even scrutiny by the chief compliance officer fire the chief compliance officer? If the answer is yes, the chief compliance officer clearly does not have the requisite independence required under the evaluation. Additional questions which could be considered would be along the lines of the following. The first question is who could overrule a decision by the chief compliance officer within an organization? The DOJ would also inquire into who is making decisions around salary and compensation for the chief compliance officer. Is it the chief executive, the general counsel, the audit committee, the board, or some other person or group? An evolution in thinking by the Department of Justice is looking in the area of turnover rates because this is something that the DOJ has not previously focused upon. One Houston company recently laid off its entire compliance function and rolled the job duties into the previously existing legal department. How do you think that would appear if the Department of Justice came knocking to investigate a potential FCPA problem? Under the FCPA pilot program, prong three remediation, the Department of Justice said it would consider how a company's compliance personnel are compensated and promoted compared to other employees. This was carried forward in the evaluation, so yet is another factor the Department of Justice will consider. Finally, what resources have been made available to the compliance function? This would include both monetary budget for operationalization and also headcount resources. One might hope the days have long since passed where companies would come into the Department of Justice and plead the compliance function only had 100,000, 200,000, or you name the figure, only to be met with a prosecutor's question along the lines of, what was your annual spend on yellow sticky note pads? When the inevitable response was considerably more than the entire compliance budget, the prosecutor's response was always something along the lines of, which is more mission critical for complying with the law? Another evolution in the Department of Justice's thinking was in the experience and qualifications for the compliance function. In the pilot program, Prong 3, we found the following. The quality and experience of compliance personnel such that they can understand and identify transactions identified posing a potential risk. This has been brought to have compliance and control personnel have had the appropriate experience and qualifications for their roles and responsibilities. But the more I think about those two, they're really, their focus may be somewhat different. Under the pilot program prong three, they're really asking, can a compliance professional read a balance sheet or a spreadsheet even? The 
evaluation really speaks to the qualifications around compliance. But if you take the two together, it really tells you that if compliance is properly operationalized, you'll have a chief compliance officer who understands the business. There are those lawyers out there who simply think that being a lawyer is enough to be a chief compliance officer. Unfortunately, uh, that is a very outmoded and outdated view. And these two statements from the Department of Justice, both in the pilot program and in the evaluation, make clear that is no longer acceptable. The evaluation demonstrates the continued evolution in the thinking of the Department of Justice around the CCO position and the compliance function. Their articulated inquiries can only strengthen the CCO position specifically and the compliance profession more generally. The more the Department of Justice talks about the independence coupled with the resources being made available and the authority concomitant with the CCO position, the more corporations will see it directly in their interest to provide such positions within their organization. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, how can you show compliance really has a seat at the senior executive table? Uh, do they attend meetings? Are there meet meeting minutes which would uh, reflect their attendance? Is there a diary or a calendar your CCO keeps? What written evidence do you have? And think about the effect of uh, having the CCO in the C-suite itself. It's a very powerful message. Number two, what are the professional qualifications of your chief compliance officer and the compliance team? I think if you read the, the pilot program in conjunction with the evaluation, you see that your chief compliance officer must have a very well-rounded approach to your business, your organization, law, and compliance. You really can't uh, have one uh, discipline or be an expert in one discipline going forward. And finally, number three, what are the resources that have been made available to your compliance function? What's the budget? Uh, there's uh, some very detailed questions about whether or not uh, a budget request was made and denied. Think about that in terms of any budget uh, proposal you made. You always ask for more money than you get. So how are you going to justify that when the Department of Justice comes knocking? And remember, most of the lawyers in the Department of Justice have not practiced law inside of a corporation. So... These are some of the things you need to think about in terms of compliance authority and resources. I hope you've enjoyed day 16, and I hope you will join me tomorrow for day 17 of one month to operationalizing your compliance program. Remember, the purpose of the business justification is to document the satisfactoriness of the business case to retain a third party. The business justification should be included in your compliance file, assembled on every third party, at the time of the initial certification, and then again if the third-party relationship is renewed. I can't emphasize enough, document, document, document. What are the three key takeaways from today? Number one, you should always have a business reason for using a third party, which is articulated by your business folks, not the compliance department. Number two, a business sponsor who completes the business justification is the key relationship going forward in operationalizing your compliance program through the life of the third-party relationship within your company. Like I said, we're going to go more in-depth on this going forward, but it's going to be key for you going forward that to fully operationalize your third-party risk management, that you have a business sponsor who is your eyes and ears to the third party and involved in a two-way communication, both inbound and outbound. And finally, number three, you can't say it enough, 
document, document, document. Everything that the business sponsor puts in the business justification must be documented. There must be backup evidence to uh, around commission rates and other indicia of reasonableness, determination of services, and why you can't use someone who's currently existing within your organization. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to thank you very much for listening to today's episode of How to Operationalize Your Compliance Program. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. If you've listened to this podcast via iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate us. It would help on our rankings and help get the word out about how to learn about operationalizing your compliance program in one month. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening and hope you'll join me tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.